Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. We did just get back from retreat, and um, the title of my message is His Presence Changes Everything which is the theme of our retreat, and um, I do want to say this. You know, sometimes when we come into the place of his presence or we come into to atmospheres like this, sometimes it feels like, or at least I've experienced, where I, f- I feel like I'm walking in on someone else's party that I wasn't invited to. And I just want to address that really quick. You know, when I go home and this op- to my parents' house, and this happens often, They'll be like, oh, we just ate at this really nice restaurant. Now, that, that often happens. They just went somewhere. They got some great Italian food. Uh, it's usually Italian food. And, you know, I, I could have a couple responses to that. I could be like, well, why didn't you invite me? And they'll be like, well, you know, you're always invited. You know, or I can be like, oh, I missed it. I should have went. Or I can have a lot of different responses. But do you want to know what my number one response is as a son when I go to my parents' house after they went out for good food? I say, well, do you have any leftovers? Do you have any leftovers? Because I want a taste of what they tasted of. They're telling me about an experience that they just had at this great restaurant. I'm like, tell me, what was it like? What, was the re- what did the restaurant look like? What was the tables like? What was the napkins like? What, what did the, do you have any pictures of before you got your fork all up in it, you know? Before it got in the tin tray, you know what I mean? Like, what did it look like? What did it smell like? And then you start to, you know, I'm not going to, sometimes I'm hungry, I will just eat it cold because I just, I'll go there. But let's heat it up. No, we're not going to put it in the microwave. Let's put it in the oven. Let's put it in the, let's heat it up. I want to relive what the experience that they just had. Uh, And I'm reminded of, of the woman, right, who comes to Jesus and comes for healing and says, no, it's not, it's not your time yet. And she goes to Jesus, well, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs from the master's table. And there is a way to position yourself in times like this, in meetings like this, where it can feel like, oh, this is for everyone else but me. But as a son, as a daughter, say, no, this is for me too. And even a crumb from the Lord will satisfy to the uttermost more than any other feast from anything else that exists. And uh, I I also want to say, you're not just going to get a crumb this morning. There actually is a feast for you today. There is an invitation for this house to come into times of refreshing. And when we were praying about retreat, we were praying about going, and I know probably a little less than half this room came, came on the retreat, and so maybe more, more of you didn't, weren't there. But I want you to know, this weekend and what we were going through, and whether you're here on a Sunday or you miss a Sunday, uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to miss what God is doing in this house corporately, okay? You're not going to miss the move of God if you don't want to miss it. If you don't want to miss him, you won't miss him. If you want to receive the infilling, if you want to receive a touch from him, if you want to receive what he's been pouring out on the person to your left and to, to your right, he will be faithful to show up to you. Meaning there's... Nothing in this, no one in this room who is disqualified from receiving a touch from God today. Sometimes we come into meetings or we come into church and we feel like, well, I can't lift my hands. I actually need to sit in the back today because of the stuff that I did this week. 
But can I tell you, the Lord says, come as you are. Can I tell you the thing that actually will, will draw you near is not you re-earning your way back into the presence of the Lord. Ephesians says that those who are afar off are brought near by the what? The blood of Jesus. That we who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And so if you just need to apply the blood to your life today, then go ahead, just do it. You might want to just do it right now even before we get into the message. And... Because when you do that, when you say, Lord, forgive me, I apply again the, the, your blood over my life, forgive me. I, I remember that one of your names, one of your identities, Lord, is the God who is able to keep me from stumbling. And so therefore, I understand there might be stumbling, but my expectation is even when I stumble, I can come back to the table through your blood. And so I'm basically saying this, if you're in, in the room, you are at risk of encountering the Lord today. If you're in the room, you're not safe. If you're here in the room, uh, and it's a good thing no one got up and ran out. So it's good. That means you want him today. And I want him today. Exodus 33. Find Moses. When we were praying for retreat, uh, we were like, Lord, what's, what's the theme of this? What's the theme of the season? We all felt the same thing about presence. His presence. His presence, him, his presence. And, you know, we added, you know, made it a phrase. His presence changes everything. And I'm going to read the scripture. Let's just read it because I keep referencing it. Let's just read it together. Moses, uh, in verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And I love this because there, there's a prophetic message in this for us. Sometimes you need to go out from the place where you are to come into the tabernacle of meeting. What was the tabernacle of meeting? He's not referring to the secret place. He's referring to the corporate place where we would come together to meet with God. Okay? And so he says, we come out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, whenever Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. Can I just challenge you with something? When you come into a meeting, and it just seems like, you know, I'm not feeling it today, I'm tired today. Do you want to know how to get yourself uh, to shake that off of you? One of the ways is look at someone who can see him. Get near someone who knows how to get to him. These people, they were watching what Moses was doing because they didn't quite have the same revelation, the same way to get in like Moses did. And as New Testament believers, we, we do have the way. But sometimes we might feel like these people where we, we're just watching the Lord touch this guy. And it's like, okay, I, I'm going to lift my hands because I know the Lord's in the room. I may not feel him, but I see him on that person. I see him on my friend. I see him on my neighbor. And Song of Solomon 1 talks about this in verse 7 to verse 8. He, she's saying to her beloved, show me... Uh, she's saying to the Lord, show me where you feed your flock. And the inference is she doesn't know. She doesn't know where he feeds the flock. And the Lord responds back to her, and he says, if you don't know, fairest, follow in the footsteps of, the, of those who know where I feed my flock. And he's teaching us something in that moment. And he's saying, if you don't know the way to me, if you don't know the way to my presence, that's okay. You're, you will eventually learn the way. And we will see in, in Song of Solomon 7 and 8, she learns the way. 
to where he feeds his flock. But how did she learn the way? She followed in the footsteps of those who knew where he pours out, who knew where he serves the bread and he pours out the wine and he pours out the oil. They know where the wind blows. They know where the voice speaks. They know where to hear the simple, small voice. They know where to find him in the place of shaking. Follow in the footsteps. As a young man, when I was growing up uh, in church, I grew up in outpouring. I grew up in revival. I grew up in renewal, but I didn't know how to get there all, all on my own. I, this was just all I knew is there's always these people encountering the Lord. And I didn't quite have language for it, but I began to recognize those who were carrying the fire of God, who were carrying this passion for the presence of the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And so as a young man, what did I do? I've told you guys this story, but I knew if I wanted to get in the presence of the Lord, I needed to get around the, the banner team. I needed to get, because these, you know, 40-something-year-olds, they, they knew where he fed his flock. And as a 15-year-old, I just knew I just need to stand next to them. And even growing up, into my 20s, into my 30s, there are still times where I'm just not feeling it. And so what will I do? I, can, I have two options. I can just go through the motions. I can just sit in the service and go through the motions and, you know, clap a little bit, sing a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord loves our weak worship. He's going to receive the weakness of our worship anyway. He's going to receive the simple devotion anyway. He's going to be pleased that you're just in the room. But there is an invitation for more. And there are times where I know I just need to get around someone that knows where he is right now. And so I might just come in and I'm going to just sit in the seat next to Juliana. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to sit up next to Edtuan. Or I'm going to sit up next to Lachlan. Or I'm going to sit up next to whoever, right? That they just seem to have caught a glimpse of him. And I just want to be near that. Okay, let's go back to the text. So all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the door of tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Now, I want to point something out. I'm not, I'm not going to read it today, but in Exodus, um, I think it's chapter 24, which you can just write it down. You don't have to turn there. But Exodus 24, and then again, uh, I think in Exodus 36, I could have the second one wrong, but I know for sure it's Exodus 24. We have this guy named Joshua, who's uh, Moses' assistant, essentially. And what's interesting is in Exodus 24, when Moses goes up the mountain, it says that he takes the elders with him. He takes Aaron, takes her, he takes Joshua. All these guys are start going up the mountain, but then he leaves them there, and he takes Joshua with him up into Mount Sinai, up into the cloud. And then we see him again here. Moses goes into the tabernacle, but Joshua would stay behind. And then we would see later on, a couple chapters later, that the same thing. Moses is coming down the mountain. We don't have, have the, the, the words that Joshua went out with him, but it says that as he came down, he began to hear the murmuring of the people, the, the sound of singing. They were worshiping a man-made God, but it says that Joshua heard the singing as well. So there's this inference that Joshua was actually in this place of the cloud, in this place of the fire with Moses. And I think it's beautiful, and it's a message for us today. One of our jobs is to lead the next generation into the place of his presence. Amen. Who was Joshua? He'd be the guy who would take the reins after Moses. 
It wasn't going to be Aaron. It wasn't going to be her. It was going to be Joshua. And so though Aaron and her stayed to lead in that moment, he said, no, you, Joshua, though you're an assistant now, I know there's a day coming that you're going to grab the reins. And so, no, you don't just need to watch from afar. I need you to come up into the cloud with me. I need you to come up into the fire with me. And there is an assignment, and, and I feel like it's an assignment on my life, and it's an assignment on this house, that we are called to be a people of corporate encounter. We're not just looking for individual encounters, but we want to encounter the Lord corporately as a body meaning hey we're gonna go up in together and not just us we're gonna take a younger generation another generation and when I say younger generation I don't necessarily mean age I mean a generation that has not yet come into this and we're gonna take them up into the mountain with us and that goes against like the the natural uh, church planting method and church growth method it's like no you got these people that are new don't just take them right into the deep end you know what I mean you don't want to do it. you're gonna scare them off they're gonna run but that was not Moses's model he took his assistant. Why? All of Israel was terrified of the mountain. They said, no, Moses, you go. You go and speak to God on our behalf. But he was taking the next generation and said, you're not going to make the same mistake that this generation's making. You need to come up into the deep end with me. You need to come up into the depths. Though you may not understand, the best place to learn is in the place of his presence is in the place of the real thing, the depth. And though it might be scary, and it might be terrifying, and it might be something that's hard to understand, there is a good God who will lead us in his kindness and in his gentleness and will teach us in the place of his presence because it's best to learn in his presence. You know, I've, we've had people over the years, I've been, you know, in leadership like this for 15 years now, and we've had people tell us over the years or ask us over the years, like, well, you guys are always up in the cloud. When are you going to come down and teach? And I'm like, why can't we teach from the cloud? Why can't we teach from the place of his presence? Why do we have to come out of his presence to bring instruction? Let's bring instruction in the place of his presence. You see that in Acts 2. In Acts 2, when the, the Holy Spirit falls, it's after the falling of the Holy Spirit that then Peter stands up in the place of the presence and preaches a message and 3,000 come into the kingdom in a moment. It's from the place of encounter, from the place of his presence. Let's go back to the text. Verse 12, Then Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now, Moses, Moses knows what he's doing, and the Lord knows what Moses is doing. They, they, they're having this conversation because Moses is pretty much like, I'm not going up with just anyone. So, uh, Lord, you, you told me to go up, but I didn't quite hear. Remind me, who did you, who, who did you say is going to go with me? Who did you say was, you were going to send with me? Yet you have said, I know you by name. We're, we're still in verse um, 12. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Saying, I know you've said this over me, Lord, that I know you. And that I found grace in your sight. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, the Lord said to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, okay, if your presence does not go with us, then do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So, uh, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. 
then we know, and I'll make your goodness pass before my goodness pass before you. And he hides him in the cleft of the rock, and and he passes before him, and he encounters the glory of God. But I want to point out the the heart posture that Moses was having here. He was saying, "Listen, I know you're telling us to go up from this place. You're telling us to go into the land of promise. You're telling us that we're going to get that." which we've wanted, the promise of, of the end of the wilderness, the end of this struggle, the end of just being in this day and night. Though it was glorious, the wilderness was kind of glorious. They're being led by the supernatural cloud and the supernatural fire. They're seeing signs and wonders. They're seeing water come from a rock. They're having supernatural f- feed every day. The Lord is providing. I mean, it's signs and wonders in the wilderness, but yet there is the promise of more. There's this promise of a land of milk and honey, and that is what they're, they're longing for. But Moses is like, listen, I don't actually want to apprehend the promise if it means I don't have you. I would rather stay another 40 years in the wilderness with you than to go into the promised land without you. Because Moses understood the very thing that makes it the promised land is not the milk and honey. It makes it the promised land because he is in the land with them. The theme of the retreat, the theme that we're in right now is his presence changes everything. Not milk and honey. The, the sign and the wonder, the healing doesn't change everything. You're in need of healing, you're in need of breakthrough, and you get it. That's not actually what changes everything for you. It, it might mean you walk better. It might mean you wake up better with less pain. But what changes everything for you is the healer. When we come into worship, when we come into a church service, this is only a church service. This is only his house when he's here. If he's not here, then it's just a a corporate gathering because we all like to eat food together. And so we're just, you know, we're food critics. Singing is only worship when he's here. It's only a song when he's here. A song is only worship when he's here. It's more than a song when he comes. The preaching is more than, sorry, Ted, it's more than a TED talk. When he shows up, then it's the word of the Lord. What we're doing, what we're building is around him. And Moses was saying, listen, I don't even want the promise. I don't want the new house. I don't want the new car. I don't want the promotion. I don't want the, the you know, the spouse and the one and a half children. I don't want the, the whatever it is, is the, these goals of our life. He's saying, God, I will give up every ambition, every desire, everything as he's growing up in these 40 years in the wilderness he's maturing and he's realizing all these other things don't matter anymore everything else in this life doesn't matter i just want you and of course we know we serve a good father when he comes and when we get him he will add everything else we need when we put him first and we put his kingdom first he'll add everything else to us we may not get everything we want but we will get everything we need but you will get some of the things you want too I'm telling you, this is the way he works, but he's trying to work out of us every other desire that's not him. I want to read this other verse. 1 Corinthians 2. You guys can turn there with me. Verse 1, I'm going to read 1 to 5, 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
and my speech were not and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God verse 1 again when i came to you I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. It, Paul was not a dumb man. He was not an idiot. He was, he was extremely educated. He was a master at what he did when he, was, when, when he was still without Christ. He was one of the lead teachers. He was extremely intelligent. And what he's bringing to the Corinthians, he's saying, listen, I, I could have brought excellence of speech to you. I could have came with eloquence of speech. I could have done it. But what I've learned, what I've learned is that I need to empty myself. I've learned that, that my, my cute speech, my great speaking, my uh, great revelation, they are nothing compared to Christ and Christ crucified. In fact, I've made it my life's mission to empty myself. I've made it my life's mission to determine nothing, to know not anything. He said, listen, I don't want to know anything anymore except Christ and Christ crucified. I don't want to know anything anymore except for him. He's the one that has changed everything for me. Now, this is a smart guy. He wrote most of the New Testament. He led some of the, the, the most amazing moves of God in the early church. Yet when you boil him down at this point in his life and he's saying, listen, all the wisdom, all the accolades, all the intelligence, it, has, it means nothing without Christ. And Christ and Christ crucified, meaning there's only one Christ. It's the crucified Christ. It's the one with nails in his hand and, and a hole in his side and a pierced through his feet and the one who wore the, the, the crown of thorns, the one whose back was ripped open. This is the God. This is the Christ who I'm talking. I determine in my life that I will know nothing else except for him. And so when I come to you, what am I bringing to you? I'm bringing to you Christ. I'm bringing to you the Christ crucified. And not just, not just what I think that we should do, not just what I think we should say, but I'm bringing you the truth of who he is. I'm bringing to you his presence and his power. I'm not just coming to convince you of something. I want you to encounter him. When he's writing to the Romans, the Roman church in Romans 1 verse 11, it says, oh, I long to come to you. Meaning this, I have this fierce desire to be with you. Not to teach you something. Not to preach another six-part uh, sermon series or a three-part eloquent speech. I long to come to you. To what? To lay my hands on you. To impart a spiritual thing or a spiritual gift to you so that you may be established. Paul understood the thing that will establish you in this life, the thing that will anchor you in this life, the thing that's going to keep you steady is that you receive an impartation from heaven of him, of his Holy Spirit. Do you know that word established means that you, so that you are set in deep, your roots go so deep so that you don't easily fall over? There's something that happens in the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the times of refreshing from the Holy Spirit that causes the truth that we know of Christ to anchor us in so that when the winds come and the rains come and the storms come or the wars come or the rumors of wars come or the, uh, the, the sicknesses come or the pandemics come or the fill in the blank, the, the, the layoffs come or the financial burdens come, that's okay because we have Him. And when we have him and when we're receiving 
times of refreshing by the Holy Spirit, it anchors us so when those things come, we're not going to fall over. We might be left without some things. We may not be living in a world of peace, but I know I can stand on the Word of God. And what's the Word of God? The Word is Him. It's the Word that was made flesh. You can't tell me you love Him and you don't love His Word. Because He's on every page in this book. In fact, he's in between the pages. He's in between the lines. He's in between the words. He's here. Last scripture. And have the worship team come up. Acts 3, we find them right after the outpouring, right after the healing at the gate, beautiful. We find Peter. Let's pick it up in um, verse 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you, or verse 18, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that the, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. In verse 19, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of of restoration of all things. And I just want to point a couple things out here. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent, therefore. There, there is a way that we approach the Lord. There is a, all throughout Scripture we see ways in which God desires to be approached. And we see one of the ways here in Acts 3 is when we want to come to Him, we come in with repentance. We say, Lord, if there be any wicked way in us. And listen, this is not like this, this uh, calisthenic workout. It's not, this is not a hit workout. It's not this intense thing. Where he's not saying run, run a marathon first and then come for times of refreshing. He's inviting us in the simplicity. Just repent. These things that you need to lay down, just lay them down. Ask me to forgive you, and I will be faithful to forgive you. And when you do that, you have access to come to me for what? That your sins may be blotted out. And which, when you do, when you repent, when you ask for forgiveness with an authentic heart and you bring it before him, he is faithful to forgive you. And it says that he removes those sins as far as the east is from the west. It's as if it didn't happen. Okay? And then he invites us for times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And what I love, times is plural. It's also the word kairos. Meaning it's not a chronological thing. It's not an order. It's, it's a, a time set up, an, an opportune time. There is an opportune, there are opportune times for you in this life for times, for kairos moments of refreshing by the presence of the Lord. And what's his presence? His presence is simply him being present with us. I just want to read this one thing from my notes. Okay. And the word refreshing, I got to look it up in the original language. It's actually this, this word is the only time this word for refreshing is used in the New Testament. In the original, it means a recovery of breath or a cooling breath, a cool breath or a refreshing as it's translated in many texts. But it is making reference to the genera- Gen- Genesis 3.8. It's the original promise that just like Adam 
we would walk in the cool of the day with him. Peter was saying that when you repent and are baptized and you're filled with the Spirit, there is a form of restoration of us coming back to walk with God in the cool of the day. One of the ways you can translate it, it's a cool breath or a cool breeze, this breath, this time of refreshing. It's the breath, like the breath that God breathed into to Adam's nostril, like the, the cool of the day that Adam would walk with the Lord. There is this invitation to be with him for times of outpouring, for times of refreshing. And this word presence, it could be translated as the face or the countenance. And what I want to pray for us today, (laughs) my desire for each one of you, is that not just today, not just this Sunday, but that the Lord will release a season of perpetual encounter. That you would begin to see the light of His face. That you would begin to experience that His countenance shines down upon you. prayer of Jabez, right? Oh Lord, bless me. Keep me. Cause your face to shine upon me. Oh Lord, bless them today. Keep them today. Cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, we come before you with clean hands and a pure heart. We want to ascend the hill of the Lord. We want to go up like Moses took Joshua. We want to go up into the place of your presence. We look to the hill today from where our help comes from. We look unto Jesus today. We look unto you. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.